Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to, um, okay, hear me out. This is the first episode of new podcast. I am Danny Plunkett and I'm here with my friends, uh, Matt McCabe and Joey Meyer. Evening. How you guys doing, gentlemen? Pretty good. It's finals week. Mm. Stress is high. So is cholesterol. Mm. So just a little, little thing about us. We are all college students currently attending the University of Mary. And this is just a podcast, uh, based on uh, media and just kind of the entertainment world and talk about some serious subjects, talk about some fun subjects, and, uh, yeah, just have a healthy discussion. Yeah, it should be a good time. Indeed. I'm excited. So what do we got today? All right. So our first topic for today, um, we're going to talk about social media. Now, the big question about social media to me, and at least some people that I've talked to around campus, is just what is, like, the purpose of social media lately and to me it comes down to three things like what social media is at first off first and foremost it's a medium of communication so within itself it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's just another medium another way to communicate just like uh, the computer just like a telephone just like your voice it's just it's it's a way that you communicate and it's not within itself a bad thing but the way that you use it can be good or bad. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, at least with like social media and uh, just kind of communication like in the internet in general, I think the biggest problem with it is the lack of accountability in the sense that you can literally, especially the, like the use of making an, uh, anonymous con- comments, you know, anonymous, um, just stuff like that. It's probably like it's 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 the biggest problem with it mm-hmm. is that accountability. Pe- yeah, just the lack of accountability with you know with social media, and and to me it's just kind of like a form of makeup. You know, uh, a lot of people view social media as like you know trying to show off like the best of yourself, and it's to me it's kind of like makeup. How like somebody puts on makeup before they go out into public. Social media is kind of like that, but with, like, their general life and the way they want to come off to other people. Mm. Mm. So, Yeah, because it's a lot more broad. It's not necessarily just images of your face. I think like when a lot of people think of social media, the first thing that comes to their mind is probably, at least for myself, Snapchat. Um, but I agree with you that there are issues with accountability in social media. And now in terms of what its use is at its core... Um, I think this use of social media began and I think the best use of it is to connect people who normally aren't able to connect easily. Um, It's one of the most incredible tools that's come to our generation, the use of social media, but it also, I think, controls the general public more than, you know. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great tool. Like, just like, just to name a couple examples, just Skype and Facebook, you know, being able, even like Snapchat, like being able to just communicate in real time from being across the country, it's connected our society in a way that's that's never been known before. And um, you see businesses and like other organizations really are picking up the use of social media. And uh, it's great. It's it's the future. It's incredible how like it's progressed. as an example, I think it's a good way that social media is used, but I primarily use social media 
to connect with my younger brother who is enlisted in the Navy and he's, you know, offshore for months at a time. Um, well, soon he will be. Uh, he can be offshore for a month at a time without regular access to other means of communication. Um, and, you know, the the carrier that he's on has limited internet usage. So, um, like email, you know, sending each other dumb crap on Instagram just to let each other know that we're alive and thinking of each other I found that that's the most valuable thing of, for social media for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's an awesome tool that allows me to be able to connect with him. But, yeah, I worry that um, it's just going to kind of devalue relationships with most people yeah. because it seems like a primary form. Well, I'm, I'm glad the conversation's flowing this way because kind of as an extension of what, uh, of what Matt was saying before, um, the idea that, social media should primarily be used to stay in contact with people you wouldn't normally be able to contact. Like, I think, I think when people created social media, I think like when the first email was sent in the eighties, you know, when the first phone call was made, people had the intention of making it easier for you to reach out to people you already knew. Um, and you hear the expression, a sea of faces. And I like to think of the fluidity of people and the way they think, the way they act towards each other very much like a large body of water and social media the presence of social media it turns whispers into tremors you know you say one thing and it just spreads so far you know you might not see the direct implications of what you say or how you act but it you know stretches for miles farther than you could comprehend and i think like like you said in the beginning anonymity is a big problem with being online, the way I phrased it um, when I was kind of like thinking this out was that people take advantage of it too much. People take a lot of, it, it, they take advantage of it. And, you know, you said it can be a tool. Like many tools, it can also be used as a weapon. Absolutely. Um, and thinking about it, I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Um, would the world be a better place today if social media didn't exist? Like if it was, Let's take it back to 1990. If the world had the same technological advancements but without social media, like in the 90s, would you say that the world would be a better place or there'd be like more productive people in the world? Um, I think that this initially feels like, oh, that's a really tough question. Right. But I think very quickly when I think, it, think about it, um, it boils down to no, I don't think the world would be a better place if social media hadn't come about. I think too much good has come from it. And it's not necessarily an argument of, like, the lesser of two evils. I don't think that's a fair argument for it because social media is not evil at its core. I think at its core, for what it was designed for, it's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that no, no matter what other stuff has come from it, it's probably good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and uh, that's a very tough line of questioning because you think about you think about – world disasters or natural disasters you think about you know acts of terror like you know if a plane's about to go down or you know as an extreme example like if someone had an internet connection on a plane saying hey this plane just got taken like and it's headed towards this city like that could spread like wildfire and that could save a lot of people and you know there are and that's like that's a very niche thing though like that's 
that's a unique opportunity and that's not something that you plan on because you don't want things like that to happen. So I, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as Matt where like, I think it would be nice, like in the, in the sense that if we have more time with inter- with the internet, like the more time we have with it, I think the more we come to understand about it, what's good about it, what's bad about it. And if the internet was a thing a decade sooner, maybe we would understand more about you know, its nuances and the effect it has on people's brains, you know, this sense of addiction that people feel to it. But I don't think, I don't think people would be necessarily better off. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think overall, I think overall to me, I think it is a good thing because it's, it's made the world a lot smaller and it's made, Mm. it's made people be able to reach new levels of audiences that were never, um, like being able to be made before. So there's instances where a lot of people are becoming famous, like just by putting videos on YouTube or stuff, you know, people that you would never know about, but become popular just because they have that access. Everybody has the same access towards, you know, like a large, a larger audience that was never, um, really, you know, accessible before, you know, turn of the 20th century so yeah it's great century, it's great so. that you mentioned that because like as as like a this is to me this is like a perfect example of what can go super right about social media but also what can necessarily be like kind of silly and like redundant about social media you remember um you remember the world record egg on instagram yeah me. that that oh so um kylie jenner at, at one point i, I want to say sometime last year had the most liked photo on Instagram and this person came out of nowhere. Um, their profile picture was an egg, you know, and their angle was that they wanted to get more likes than Kylie Jenner. on They wanted the most liked photo on, on Instagram beating Kylie Jenner's previous record. And, uh, you know, they literally came out of nowhere. And I, and I want to say within a month or two, um, that one photo of an egg that they had posted had like tripled Kylie Jenner's record, you know, and, and Trolls. looking back, <laughs> uh, oh, exactly. Well, and like, it's crazy. Cause like we don't, there's the person didn't reveal their face or like who they were until like a year after that whole thing had died down. And, you know, they sell merch now and they have a website and they do other things like that. If you go back and check, like they really monopolized on that and like good for them, you know, because that's, (laughs) I mean, they they saw their opportunity and they seized it. Like they knew the way the internet worked and they were like, if I do this, there's a good chance it'll take off. And it did. But it's also like, how ridiculous is that? (laughs) Like (laughs) that, that just shows you like the sheer impact, like the speed at which something can reverberate mm. around the world with the internet and then like how easily that can be misplaced you know <laughs> just, just for like a gag of like the person who's in charge of that or who came up with it they know the internet and the internet's sense of humor mm-hmm. and unfortunately um, the trans population is a huge source of ridicule in online communities and I guarantee you that's the main reason why this succeeded for the egg in the way that it did is because all the trolls crawled out of their cracks and mm-hmm. wanted to destroy Kylie Jenner's photo. It's literally like, it's a, it's counterculture. It's the idea of like being, being adverse, like being different rebellious, that yeah. sort of thing. It's just the, it's the <laughs> yeah. unexpected, it's, it's, you know, you're right. That, that makes me think of the, the veggie tales bit. The future of the internet is random, <laughs> dude. He, he could not have been more it's, on point. It's, it's ridiculous how well that fits. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> just leagues ahead of his time. 
Absolutely. Oh, is this is this that my cue? Oh my goodness. Uh, another thing that I think of when I think of the internet, man, is scamming. Is like how much money gets wasted and, and extorted online. How much money might not even be like actually tangibly real and usable that floats around online. Yeah, and that and that goes back to you know just just the the lack of accountability, the lack the the anonymous nature of a lot of social that's, media. You know, that's an interesting conversation. The economy uh, and how it's been affected by the internet. Yeah, mm. it's it's especially like groups are being formed that that on some social media sites there's. It's it's really weird because there's social media that really affects. I think there's there's problems with social media in the sense that there's people that identify too much with it. Mm. That it's like all it's like their entire world. Yeah. Like people that are just on Instagram all the time, on Snapchat all the time, on on Pinterest, on Facebook. You know, yeah. People that are just so obsessed with the identity of either themselves or other people by judging themselves. And then on the other side, you have, you know, websites like 4chan mm-hmm. and like YouTube and like places where people can come together anonymously and like affect the culture. So there's like, there's avenues of just being completely like identifying with a form of social media. And then there's avenues of like completely being anonymous and like, mm-hmm. like communicating, but like not being a part of it. So there's like positives and negatives to multiple different forms of social media and it's crazy to think especially like the ones that um are anonymous you know actually end up influencing a lot of modern yeah, culture the stuff people can get away with simply because they're a group of anon- anonymous people it's it's incredible yeah yeah <laughs> lots of lots of good uh lots of good stuff guys um uh i think we might have to break down social media uh, a little more um, uh, in the future, but mm. definitely some good stuff. So now we're going to move on to some uh, a little lighthearted stuff uh, here on the po- uh, podcast. Okay, hear me out. We always do one serious topic, and then we do a couple couple fun topics, just stuff from our personality, just right, right. you know stuff that we personally like. So uh, I like to switch it over to uh, pizza. Hmm. Who, now, who doesn't like a good slice of pizza? You know, not anyone I'd like to be mm. friends with. Mm. Nah, I like some saw. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. There's a big debate, and there's a question I'm going to bring up later, but what is the ideal type of pizza? Mm. Chicago-style, deep dish, mm. you know, extra cheese, extra sauce, extra dough, what toppings? Like, what to you is the ideal piece of pizza? Yeah. Certainly something to ponder. <laughs> um, I have to say... I have not had a more amazing experience than I have having than I have having a real good like deep dish Chicago style pizza yeah. in Chicago. Mm. It is like it's like I don't know. Oh. It's freaking lasagna pizza, dude. That's like How, that. That's like, the type of pizza you would have to like skip a meal before that right, have because yeah. I mean those things you can, are beasts. They're, <laughs> It's 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 so good. See now here's the thing I right. here's the thing I don't like Chicago style pizza mm-hmm. at all. Really, I yeah. can't I can't stomach it. And I think it's a question of ratios. Like like you were kind of dipping your yeah. toe into that water before. It's less about what toppings and what like that specific like nuance of flavor and more about like it's how you build it. You know. Yeah, to me it was just 
it was just too much, like too much cheese. I just didn't like the way that the texture fell, just the way it was. It just didn't feel like pizza to me. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, I, I mean, in a way, it's a totally different species. You know, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's pizza, but it's almost hardly pizza yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Uh, a good, I think a good framework for trying to understand in your mind what the ideal pizza is, is like, if, what kind of pizza would you feel comfortable having multiple times in a week? Like, which, what, what pizza would you not have, like, guilt or, or, like, <laughs> or like some sort of existential regret about, like, eating two or three times in a week? You know, because there there are, like, there are fun pizzas. Like, there are these gimmicky pizzas that people come up with because, like, you know, there's just always ways to do it. There's hamburger pizzas, there's taco pizzas, there's breakfast pizzas and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I love a good breakfast pizza. But I think uh, there's a certain point where, like, in the end, it, it is just that. It's like, it's kind of gimmicky. Yeah, and, and like, it's one of those things you treat yourself to. That's like something <laughs> you order for a party when you have, like, people around and they're like, oh, you got a taco pizza. But, like, at the end of the day, if you get home from work and you just kind of want to kick it, and have a you night like what are you going to order what's your comfort pizza uh, hmm. yeah like i'm not going to order deep dish regularly i'm not going to go out and eat get deep dish regularly mm-hmm. that's like a somebody's birthday type deal that's mm-hmm. like a special occasion see now that's where i would disagree with you um to me my favorite type of pizza is i mean there's two types of pizza that i love it's deep Detroit style deep dish. Mm. I'm from I'm from the Michigan area. Joey, I know you are too. Repping the mitten. Absolutely. Um, I love me some Detroit style deep dish. A specific name. If you've never had Jets Pizza, go out oh. and try Jets Pizza. Yeah. It will change your life. Yeah, Danny's 110 percent on that. Jets deep dish Jets. pizza is some of the best deep dish you'll ever have, man. Those I mean, they give you the way that Jets does it, and I appreciate this so much. I don't know if any other place does this. When they give you a deep dish pizza you actually get like eight corner pieces because they split it into like two smaller like sub pizzas basically you know they make them smaller pan deep dish pizzas and they put two in one box you literally get like more than half the pizza that you get are like these really nice crunchy corner slices (laughs) and that's what you want in a deep dish like that's why you go for deep dishes because you want that crust and so like yeah it's the crunch it's yeah. the crunch. It's the it's a texture thing too. It's the crunch that you want. want and see, it, <laughs> <laughs> better than that Chicago style. Okay, well, okay. Can I, I? If I have to eat my pizza with a fork and knife, to me that's a problem. Mm. Like it's not pizza. Really? It's not pizza for me. Well, here's the you thing. don't have to eat Chicago with a fork and a knife. It's just. It's I mean, just easier. I mean, I wouldn't eat, eat it that way on a date if I was on a date. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's like, it's good that you, because like you, you're a fan of deep dish, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually kind of on the, the opposite end of the spectrum where like deep dish is a nice treat. Deep dish is a, is a good treat. Like I could see myself eating deep dish, you know, any given day. But if I had to put like a favorite type of pizza, it's like thinner crust. I like and thinner crust pizza. I was going to say my family that a lot of people know about Perry's Pizza. It's a chain. Yeah. It's in Colorado and other places. I've heard of Perry's. They have such good New York style thin crust. Yeah, New good York New York night. style. Is it's solid. like so good. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I can't argue against thin crusts because I love them too. I have like I have very niche tastes because uh you know, people there's not a lot of people I know that like like Alfredo white sauce pizzas, 
but I'm I'm a sucker for those. <laughs> like I don't yeah, have those nearly you know as frequently because people don't make them. I I just am not. It's if if I see three pizzas on a table, the last one I'm gonna go for is white sauce. Too. Yeah, no, I don't no. blame you either, <laughs> no, and I don't I don't I don't blame you at all because that's like red sauce pizza is the king. That's the OG. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta I gotta show love for a simple spinach and feta, man. Spinach and feta, like not even seasoned crust, just simple, like three or four ingredients max. Like quality, a small amount of really really quality ingredients that you know work well together, is better than a bunch of things that you really like that might not work well together. All right. Real quick, um, before we head out, great topic, guys. Yes. Um, so real quick, we're just going to go around, say your favorite type of pizza. Specifically, what is your favorite type of pizza? Mm. And then I have one more bonus question at the end. And I'll start off. My favorite type of pizza, to me, it, it depends on my mood. It's either Hungry Howie's or Jets. Both both Michigan, mm. I'm a, local pizza places that it's just my favorite pizza yeah, that i've had yeah. um either it depends on like like and it depends on your mood too yeah but to me you can never go wrong with either like pepperoni and ham mm-hmm. or barbecue chicken see i actually don't i don't like ham on pizza mm. i like ham i just don't like ham on pizza it's it just like it screams lunch meat to me it screams like holiday slash lunch meat <laughs> and the idea of it being on a pizza is a little jarring the thing is it's specifically Maybe not so much on Jets, but like Hungry Jar. Howie's ham or Canadian bacon. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's either so Jets honest. or Hungry Howie's, pepperoni and ham, or barbecue chicken. I Ma- totally respect that, though, because that's an OG. Um, myself, I mean, I, I can't really argue this because I just got done eating some barbecue pizza, pizza mm. in the next room. But again, like, I think it's just so hard to beat a red sauce pizza. Like, um, So for myself... My family grew up on Papa Murphy's, like, regularly. I love Papa Murphy's. Mm. Um, but I'd probably have to choose for a favorite. It would be, like, a – what do you what do you call it? It's not, a, like, a thin crust, a medium crust. Anyways. Yeah, just, like, a regular yeah, old-fashioned. something with – oh, man. I always want to argue for just plain cheese because I have a soft spot in my heart for just plain there's, cheese. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. I also no. look at, like – pepperoni with jalapenos and i'm like mm. nothing can beat it now yeah. i don't know if you michigan boys us michiganders but colorado it's a regular thing to put honey on your crust you know you yeah. mentioned that and before good night holy moly cannoli you guys really when you start putting dip really? in your crust in honey you're never gonna go back really it's perfect yeah dang it started I, I, well, there's claims that it started at Bojo's in Colorado. Okay, they have good pizza. And I'm inclined to believe you. Just dip your crust in honey, man. It's like. And do you? Okay, nice so chili. when you dip your crust in honey, or when there's honey on the crust, do you like to have sauce and cheese and toppings with that as well, or is it yeah. just the bread? Yeah, and the eat honey? your eat your regular pizza, eat it down, okay. and then finish the crust. Okay. The bare well, bones. and I, I imagine that's the same principle as putting pineapple on pizza. It's the sweet and savory. Hmm. So I I get that because there's a, there's a a group for that there's a crowd for it <laughs> I'm a um, so we're going specific pizza places then right just like you put a slice of pizza in front of you yeah what is it what's on it where is it from mm. when i think of when I, one of the first pizza places i think of when i think of a pizza that i really enjoy is uh, and this is controversial because they've uh, they've been switching up a lot in the past few years but it's domino's at one point a lot of people really didn't like domino's because I, I guess they had a, a different recipe um, 
but they changed the recipe in the past like 10 years or something. Shout out, uh, shout out Patrick Doyle, current CEO of Domino's. <laughs> cool guy. Because um, I've always liked Domino's. Um, but especially recently, man, Domino's is, has kicked it up to 11. Wait, 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 wait. What do you, have you met Patrick Doyle? How do you know he's a cool guy? <laughs> oh, okay. So um, the founder of Domino's, Tom Monahan, the guy before him, he is from Michigan, Southeast Michigan. He actually, um, he actually was like a donor for the school I went to and stuff. So he was very, <laughs> he's that. very involved <laughs> in the local community, right? And he's he's he was a Michigander it's through so and through. Um, so there's an there's an obvious bias. There's there's a <laughs> no, come on. I've I've only I've only met the guy like once or twice. What what a perfect mention time to mention. This is the the Domino's Okay Hear Me Out <laughs> yeah, podcast. This is uh <laughs> by the way, uh, it's time to read off our sponsors. Domino's Pizza. Our special <laughs> guest Patrick Doyle himself. We are, Welcome. We are, we are not affiliated with any, any pizza we, he, They didn't pay us to Wait, say that. Patrick, reach out. Of course not. I would yeah. love if Domino paid us to say that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Domino's, are you listening? <laughs> but, uh, so, so Patrick Doyle, he took over as the CEO, Lord knows how long ago. I want to say like a little over a decade. And his, uh, his daughter actually attended the same school as my family. And so I... What's I, your last name, Domino? No, it's Doyle. <laughs> Did you guys call her Domino's? I just said Doyle. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Doyle we, Domino. yeah, we went up to her and we said, "What's up, Domino girl?" Crust? Oh my gosh! And I remember I my she was salt? she was she was a couple years older than me. She was in the same class as uh, as my sister, and so they were actually they were actually like pretty decent friends back then. And uh, my my siblings have had these stories and experiences where they've been over to the Doyles' house and like he's just. You know, it's just the CEO of Domino's chilling. <laughs> and, you know, there's been a couple instances where they've literally just had, like, pizza at their house, like a ton of pizza. And they're like, you want some pizza? And I don't blame him, dude. If I was the CEO of Domino's, I would always have pizza at my house. That's a dream come true. <laughs> that's funny. So All right, that's, that's my celebrity story. All right, so real quick, Joe, best pizza pizza. Best piece of pizza to me. Real quick. Yeah, real, real, real quick. I honestly, if you just ask me to order a pizza, I'm gonna say pepperoni. I'm just gonna say classic pepperoni. Um, but if if you're going niche particular taste, I like spinach feta thin crust. Like that's that's my guilty pleasure. So Domino's spinach feta. Dude, I don't think they make a spinach feta, but if if they would, <laughs> if I would. I that's the only More thing I would eat probably. <laughs> You'd probably do a backflip. Yeah, I'd probably do a standing backflip. <laughs> All right. And last bonus question, just a quick yes or no, maybe a couple of comments. Does pineapple deserve to be on pizza? Yes or no, Matt, you start. Um, yes. Just a couple comments explaining yourself. I know this is a very touchy subject for a lot of people. It is, yeah. yeah. I, I can feel lasers on the back of my head <laughs> and freaking the Midwest here. Um, <laughs> pineapple is a treat. So is pizza. What um, a treat. <laughs> you know, I guess I've not thought about it too much. Because when I taste something that is so obviously flavored with truth, it it needs so much less explanation than other fools would assume they need to make. So, mm. pineapple. Some hefty words. Pineapple. Matt, I mean, hard to beat. I'm I'm gonna have to. Every time I, I taste pineapple, I'll be like, what does it taste like? Pineapple kind of tastes like truth. Truth. <laughs> Quite <laughs> in its purest form. Matt, Matt McCabe, 
You guys heard it, heard it here first. Pineapple tastes <laughs> the like the source truth. of all human knowledge. Pineapple. <laughs> And the source of human excellence was when they came together in a supernova flavor. I'm uh, I'm surprised someone hasn't tried making like a, a vegetarian uh, or like some kind of gluten free like pineapple pizza crust to really rattle the cage, like dehydrated <laughs> pineapple oh pizza crust, just to go all in. That oh my gosh, there would be utter chaos. I would find a legally binding marriage contract with an inanimate. People would be angrier about that, uh, angrier about that in that moment than than probably about the cost of health care, and that's not an overstatement. <laughs> it would cause more of an uproar than a lot. Of <laughs> it would cause, it, and that's the power of the internet because <laughs> that would be a big deal all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, Joey, real quick. Yeah, pineapple on pizza. I personally, I'm not a fan, and the only thing that gets me about pineapple is it's a very juicy fruit. It's a, like, and when you put a bunch of pineapple on a pizza, like pizzas are are already kind of enough like and when you just add fruit juice to it i just it's a little too much for me like pineapple tastes good pizza tastes good never been able to kind of handle them together but i think it has its place i would i would agree if the pineapple is too juicy yeah pizza i'm not eating because i don't want i don't want puddles of pineapple juice on the on the pizza you know but yeah okay to each his own right i would say i would say as an upgrade most people, when they do pineapple on pizza, they just cut the pineapple and put it right on the pizza, and it's just kind of like a warm, limp pineapple. I would say as an upgrade, if you like caramelized it or put it on a flat top, got some nice color on there so that it wasn't just like, wasn't just like straight out of the fridge pineapple, I would be much more inclined to eat it. Hmm. That's my two cents. Hmm. All right, and for me... Danster. For me, I'm going to have to go with Matt on this one because... <laughs> um, so I'm a huge fan of Gordon Ramsay. He's a man. I mean, I've seen Hotel Hell, Kitchen Nightmares. Absolutely. I love the guy. Thing. I cannot cook for the life of me. I'm And Joe, I know that you actually have dabbled <laughs> in the culinary arts much more oh, than I have. I love <laughs> cooking. It's fun. But to me, I'm a big fan of if it works, it works. Yeah. And Gordon Ramsay is personally not a fan. He does, he does not believe pineapple should belong on pizza mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, culinary masters don't believe it but to me if it works it works and to me it just works yeah well and you know at the end of the day a a chef's knowledge is really limited to his palate and you know even even cooking in a lot of ways can be subjective so you know just because gordon ramsay doesn't like it doesn't mean it's not tasty (laughs) all right and feel free uh everybody listening to uh comment your favorite pizza if you agree with us or if you don't and uh yeah we'll uh might uh, comment it later you disagree what's that nothing i didn't say okay okay all right guys last topic um so we always on uh, the end of the show we always analyze a list and we're gonna do that every time we're gonna find a, a popular list that i think might be interesting and i'm gonna give it to these guys and we're gonna play so for this list i have the best animated disney movies ranked by uh, rotten tomatoes this is the Rotten Ooh. Tomatoes. Now, is this critic consensus or audience consensus? This is, this is critic consensus oh. based on tomato meter. Okay, okay. So, hmm. so okay. this is this is the this is all sixty nine films, including Frozen two, that just came out recently. Oh, good lord! Um, so I am going. We're going to play a game of too high or too low. Okay. Um, basically, I'm going to name some specific movies on the list and. Just each, and then each Matt and Joey are going to give their opinion on what's too high, what's too low. Right. And uh, we'll go from there. We're going to get some. We're going to look at some interesting movies. 
So uh, this first one, I this is a personal favorite of mine, mm. and I don't agree currently where it is, but we'll let Matt and Joey talk first. So the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. It is thirty second on the list. Oh, that's criminal. Out of out of out of oh, that's 69. criminal. It's halfway down that list. That's oh criminal. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> whatever you were gonna say, I agree because Danny I, knows the trigger words for yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this is this is midway through. It got an eighty six percent tomato meter. Um, thirty two out of sixty nine. Matt, too high or too low? Way way too low. That movie is priceless. It's it's. I don't want to say art because it it transcends hmm. the humor, the voice acting, the music, the art. It's I don't know. It's it should. I would I would say personally, I would put that in like top fifteen. And that movie, when it came out, it wasn't that popular. Like, it didn't get like a huge. If correct me if I'm wrong, it didn't get a huge like a, uh, you know, hmm. consensus oh, it, from it, the box office. Oh, it flew under the radar for sure. And and the the funniest thing about that to me is like Emperor's New Groove really had everything going for it. Like you, they had a star-studded cast. A lot of people don't know this, dude. Eartha Kitt voiced Isma. Eartha Kitt was the voice of Isma. You got John Goodman. You got mm. David Spade on Shoot. that. Like Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton is a gem. Patrick everything Warburton. Everything that is guy. Cronk. Everything that guy touches is gold. And Kronk is a character, dude. <laughs> absolutely one of the best people Disney has ever dreamed up in their little rooms. So Joey, I'm guessing you're too low as well. Absolutely too low. And I have a soft spot for Emperor's New Groove as well because that's just one of those movies that I really cling to as a kid. I just thought it was like very like whimsical, but like, you know, in, it, it approaches the subject matter, like the serious subject matter, in a really, really charming way. Like it's just the, the idea of like camaraderie between these two guys. And I, I it's funny, I watched a, a mm. video kind of analyzing this movie recently. They, um, Cusco as a character, I want to say and this is a bold statement, I want to say he's one of the most well-written protagonists in a Disney movie because his character arc literally takes him from being an unlikable jerk to, like, a really likable protagonist. Like, in the span of around an hour and a half, they take this person who genuinely seems irredeemable, like a person who's lived a lifetime of just being, like, a stuck-up jerk, (laughs) and then they, like, put him through a legitimate like cabal of of moral ambiguity (laughs) and he comes out being like a really cool guy and you you root for him and you believe it in the end too you're like yes he did it so it's a it's a fun movie by the end of you're like i'm i've never watched that movie and walked away thinking man i really shouldn't have watched that here's the thing i actually don't think Cusco's character changes that much you don't think so but um, we can go into it later. I, I think it's more of like him being naive to you like. Think it's more of like an awakening. Because his entire his entire life, everything's been about him. So why should he think anything different? And as soon as he realizes that everything's not about him, then he he kind of changes. And he's not really unlikable. I think Cusco and the way that he's so arrogant is really funny and well, likable. Oh, yeah, obviously, there's like there's charm and there's humor and there's merit to the fact that like he's just such a jerk, you know. But yeah, like Emperor's New Groove. To me, one of the most underrated Disney movies. Mm. I think it should definitely be higher than Yeah, 32. and that needs to be higher. All right, so I, I got put, six of I'd these. i put it in the top 15 for sure. All right, I got six of these, so we're going to keep moving. Yep. Now, this next one, um, I'm saving one of the best ones because I know for last, because I know Joey, this will get a big reaction out of Joey. <laughs> um, all right, next one, uh, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. It is 24th on the list with a tomato meter of 88%. 20. 
And it got an 88. 24. It got 88% from critics. From critics. 24%. It's, Eight it's places higher than list. Emperor's New Groove, mind you. Yep, but only by 2%. So only it, by 2%. Because Emperor's New Groove was 86%, yeah. and uh, yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet is uh, 88%. Man. Now, you can't say just right. It either has to be too high or too low. Yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet quickly, Matt. Where, where um, do you put it? I would say Ralph Breaks the Internet belongs probably in the mid-50s, so way too high. Um, I love the first movie. Um, growing up, I always thought the idea of having a movie about video games or video game characters seemed just so fantastical and out of reach. It's literally like another Toy Story. Exactly, like it's, and but so much more, I mean, anyways, yeah. subject matter. And right, right. That's difficult with copyrights, but it came true. And I was like, it's a movie about video game characters. Yeah. That's purely original, has likable characters, a fun world and idea behind it, you know, the, the way the characters interact between the consoles, the cabinets. Um, and it was just so fun. It was such a ride from beginning to end. Again, the characters go through this development. Um, but the second movie, <laughs> I mean, the only part I liked in that movie is when they went into the dark web. And they're like dealing with the viruses because the characters were funny in that part, in my opinion. But yeah, I guess it touches on some some cool messages about friendship and learning to let go. That's kind of the main message of the movie is letting friends change. But uh, man, it just felt like kind of a an emoji movie copy to mm. me. Very forced, sort of felt like. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I should preface this by saying I actually haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet yet, mm. so I can't form, uh, I can't form a cohesive opinion on it. But I will say that I've I've heard a lot about it, um, and I've heard the same I've heard the same thing that Matt kind of just said about it, in that it's kind of like an emoji movie type thing. They shoehorned in some sponsorship type deals, and obviously for the sake of like keeping it immersive and relevant to the real world they had to have actual brands and actual recognizable things like that but um you know there's a fine line for it and i agree that the first record ralph was awesome super fun movie like everything they did was right um but everything i've heard about record ralph breaks the internet has been generally negative and and based on principle the fact that i haven't seen it at all i would just put it pretty low so i'd say that's too high yeah i would also say it's too high i think to me, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet had a really good message. Like you said, it's kind of the idea of, like, you know, everybody, all your friends or, like, the people you know, they don't have the same dreams. And it's kind of, like, letting go of people that you just aren't close with, you aren't going in the same direction with. It's a really good message. I, to me, it just seems too out of character for the characters in it. Like you said, the first one's about video game characters, and the second one's all about these video game characters going into the Internet. It seemed really out of place to me. It seemed it's a fun concept, you know. Mm. They go to the internet, but it's a fun concept. I think I think if they actually it, made a new movie with new characters with this, I think it would have to me it would have been more interesting than yeah, having okay than rather having, than just kind of like Joe is saying shoehorning in like the video game characters. Yeah. Yeah. So for for those reasons, I think it had a good message. I think it actually deserves to be a little more middle of the pack. Yeah, but I would also say it's too high. All here, right, here, next one. Um, this one is a classic. We all know it. All watched it. The Lion King. Mm. Number 12 on the list, 93%. Would you say The Lion King is too high or too low, Matt? Um, 
I will say, I know that every a lot of people have a huge love for The Lion King. Mm. Um, and I love the movie too, but growing up, I definitely watched it less, I think, than a lot of other people. Um, but simply looking at, um, of course, 2D animation is, I think, a lot more valuable than 3D animation, just objectively because of the effort that goes into it. It, it needs a lot more um, critical thought put into every aspect of the movie but 12 with a 93 you said I think that that it can't be just right correct it cannot be just okay right. uh, I would say that is slightly too low it should probably be in the top 10 I would say the Lion King yeah um, the thing about Lion King for me it was a big milestone for Disney big milestone for Disney like that that's one of those movies when you think Disney Lion King is one of the first names that pops into your head. And for that, like you're, I, I give the movie a lot of credit. Um, but like Matt, I was not particularly attached to The Lion King. Uh, super cool movie, like definitely a tearjerker. It has its moments and, you know, definitely one of the more intense Disney movies kind of in its execution. Um, but the one thing in recent years that's kind of turned me off to The Lion King and the idea of giving it a ton of praise is just the fact that the story is a complete ripoff of another story um, and that there was never any proper credit Shoot. given for it. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for for the audience members out there who have not been informed, there was a manga series called Kimba the White Lion that was released um, by Osamu Tezuka from 1950 to 1954. Uh, that's 40 years before The Lion King ever came out as a film. Um, and that manga was adapted into a series, an animated series, um, for Fuji Television from 1965 to 67. So, I mean, that's another th almost 30 years before The Lion King even came out. And so, it, you know, The Lion King is awesome. And that's not to overshadow the work that went into it and kind of the passion that goes behind it, because clearly there was a lot of love put into that film. But um, can't help but feel that creatively it kind of robbed a lot of other people of the recognition that they deserve too so I take it with a grain of salt and say that um, for me personally a little bit too high hmm. I would put it a few lower okay okay so with the Lion King to me I think the Lion King is too low and these are the reasons why hmm. one definitely this was definitely I, I would say in all honesty, a ripoff of Kimba the White Lion. Yeah. And we know that. Yeah. Um, and also, it draws heavily from Hamlet as well, if yeah. you didn't know that. Yeah, with the traitor uncle. But the thing is, The Lion King, to me, needs to be in the top ten just because this literally was the movie that made Disney animation the way it is today. Yeah. Like, this was this movie was the big one yeah. that kicked off the 90s kind of revolution. Yeah, and the 90s was a huge decade for yeah. animation. 1994, you know... You know, there were movies before this, like The Little Mermaid and Pinocchio and stuff that were really good. And, like, but The Lion King really, like, cemented it. Like, cemented Disney's legacy as, like, an animation, you know, movie. Um, uh, at least in the 90s. It's the big thing that, it, for me, it's a big reason why it is the way it is today. Um, the story, I think the voice acting, and also the music. The music in it is some of the best music in any Disney animated movie that I've seen. So, because of that... I think a lot of people consider The Lion King to be the best, 
Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think it deserves to be in the top 10. I think it's too low. Yeah, I'll say as, as an addendum for cultural impact alone, The Lion King, uh, it's like it's a tough one. But I'd say the cultural impact's huge. All right, next one. Um, this one's going to be interesting. Um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Ooh. I know this is a favorite of Joey's. Mm. This is a favorite of the McCabe families, too. 69 movies. Atlantis, The Last Empire is ranked 61st with a 49%. No, 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 Way too low. I yeah. I think again, this should be probably in the top fifteen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for me too. Oh yeah. Yeah, I almost said twenty, but I'm gonna stick to it and say fifteen. Top fifteen best Disney movies. All right, Joy. Um, I I'm in love with this movie. Like you said before, like everything about this movie, it checks all my boxes. Like it's a it's a Disney science fiction, which is kind of a rarity for Disney. Um, but when they do science fiction, it works super well, i.e. Treasure Planet, another criminally underrated Disney science fiction movie. Um, and I think, like... When but, I mean, using your own logic, though, I mean, Treasure Planet is a ripoff of Treasure Island. Oh, it's not a ripoff. It, 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 it doesn't claim to be an Wasn't original Treasure story. Treasure Island already in the public domain at that point, or am I wrong? It's a pretty old story. I mean, but you could say the same thing for Kimba the White Lion. And what about Muppet Treasure Island? Is that Muppet a ripoff? Treasure? Well, I'm not saying it's a ripoff. I'm say- well, I, it is a ripoff. Oh, well, so what the hell are you saying, Danny? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it's it's a play on it. It's yeah, it's, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with taking a unique spin on a story structure. But here, yeah, here's the thing. The difference. I. Oh, but here, yeah. okay, correcting myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not passing itself off as an original story. It's like. You, Treasure Planet, we all know it definitely has ties to Treasure Island. You know? Right, most of the characters even the have characters, similar names. They uh, they have the same names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the have, the same, same they have the same names. The same thing with you know Muppet Treasure Island, but um, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, you're fine. Um, the thing about Atlantis is like, it's one of those Disney films that just stands out as its own unique sort of monster because they, I mean, especially recently. This is for another time. Disney is very formulaic. Um, you know, they, they have moments of creativity where they kind of break the mold and they try new things and it works really well. But for the most part, they do things similarly. Um, all I'm going to say for the rest of this is that Atlantis is an incredibly epic adventure. Uh, I think it's very fun for anybody to watch. And it's criminally low on that list. I think that list did not get it right. All right. And me too. I think it's too low. Um, but I don't think it's as great as you guys may say it is. Um, I think it's kind of a mid-tier movie for me. I would have put it somewhere in the 30s, but to me, I think it's too low. All right, last two. We're going to go with the top two movies because I found both these interesting. Especially number two. um, The first one was very interesting. Uh, Number two with 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Both number two and number one have 100%. The only reason why number one is number one is because it's certified fresh. Yeah. Kind of surprised me. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That was, that was kind of those three original stories where, like, Pooh gets stuck inside yeah, Rabbit's house. Two. The Rainy Day. The Rainy Day. The, wow. 
The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, oh, 100% man. on Rotten Tomatoes. Too high or too low? Matt. Shoot, that one kind of took me off guard because yeah. I have not watched that in probably close to like eight to ten years. But from what I do remember about it, gosh, it's it's it, it's such a beautiful, fun story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's so hard for me to describe Winnie the Pooh. I feel like Winnie the Pooh stands kind of apart from animated movies it it's like so unique and so gentle and comforting in a way that other disney movies i think are not able to replicate shoot um i will say slightly too high i would probably put that in like around maybe a place 11 or something yeah so I won't understate how much I love Winnie the Pooh and how much as a kid I was obsessed with that movie. I, I mean, I, I must have watched that like 50 times growing up and, you know, had a little stuffed Winnie the Pooh, teddy bear, never left my side. Um, but kind of like Matt was saying, it, it's set apart so uniquely from other Disney movies and just like when I think of Winnie the Pooh, I think of, uh, I think of just like unabated positivity. Like it's something... I think it's definitely one for like the younger audience, but it's just one of those ones that you watch and you walk away always feeling so much better about the way everything is. Um, I would say, uh, just for the sake of argument, it's definitely a bit too high. Um, absolutely in love with Winnie the Pooh and the story behind it and the heart that went into it, but probably a little bit too high. Would you have it in the top 10? I definitely have it in my top 10. I, I would say Winnie the Pooh would be in my top 10. All right, 1997, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Um, I would agree with you guys. I think it is too high. I really love the movie. Um, I would not have it in my top 10, but absolutely my top 20 for sure. It has such a unique charm. All right, and here's number one. The number one uh, movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, 100% certified fresh. The only 100% certified fresh movie, Disney animated movie from Rotten Tomatoes, is... Pinocchio. Oh, holy cow. Pinocchio. Matt McCabe. Um, number one. Too wow. high, too low, Pinocchio. Ah, uh, shoot. And in a lot of ways, you know, I think Disney, like, like if you wish upon a star, that's like Disney's theme. Yeah. You the, know? Yeah, that's what I Jimmy was Jimmy Cricket about. is probably one iconic. of the yeah. iconic Disney characters. I mean, he's, he's, he's like, up there with know, Mickey. He's the main character in Kingdom Hearts, Jimmy Cricket. Like, um, that was a joke. But, yeah. but uh, <laughs> He's the most important. <laughs> um, no, but I, when you said Pinocchio, a bunch of thoughts went through my head. But they kind of settled into one place. And I was like, what better representation of Disney than Pinocchio, I think. Um, I would say too high, simply just because of the rules of the of the challenge that we're doing. But I have to give it number two, the closest spot, because, well, yeah, when I think about it, that one wasn't on my radar at all. But it, I think it so perfectly captures what Disney is about. Um, uh, growing up, change... I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm going to pass it off because this one's so stumbling. Yeah, this, oh my gosh, this is great. Um, Pinocchio as a movie, I think I agree with Matt in that it epitomizes a lot of, of like what makes Disney great when it does things right, like when it really puts its all into a project. It was a triumph of animation, really fun to watch start to finish. Like there's plenty to unpack in that movie emotionally. Um, and, and clearly it's become a staple, you know, in, in the culture of animation. You know, you try to think about that movie and how long it's been out and, and how many generations of artists and creatives and, you know, people in, in different facets of the world that have found themselves inspired by a movie like Pinocchio. And I'd say it deserves a very, very high spot up there um, for the sake of for the sake of the rules to, uh, you know, too high. But I'd I'd put it in. I'd put it in the top 10, top five for sure. Okay, for me, um, it's tough. Like, I don't think Pinocchio is personally my favorite mm-hmm. Disney animated movie of all time. But at the same time, I can't, like, argue with it. And right. you really can't say right. too high for, you know, a number one spot. Right. So I guess this would be the only suggestion, like, the only time where it would be just right. Um, I'm going to say too low, but I'm kind of with Matt. Like, I think Too that, low? It's the number one on the list. I mean, it's too high. Oh. I mean, it's it's too high. Make it number zero. <laughs> Make it zero. <laughs> no, it's too high, but it deserves to be in the top ten for sure. And I would even have it in my top five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And real quick, your number one Disney animated movie comes to uh, mind. Just really quick. Matt, can you say it off the top of your head? Can I go last? Okay. I have to, think. to me... Um, it's tough. I mean, like, looking at the list, I would have to say, to me, it's 101 Dalmatians. Mm, wow. I, I just recently rewatched that movie. It's so good. It's, oh, it's great. I love it. But, Joey, what do you think? Um, you know, if uh, I'm, I'm gonna pull this one. I'm gonna see how you guys react to this one. I would say my all-time favorite Disney movie, my number one. Aristocats. Wow. That's a good one. I just never saw it a lot growing up, but I do remember it fondly. Let's it's a that. very, it's like, it's very musical, hmm. you know, and it's uh, it's very chaotic in a great way. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say Rescuers Down Under. I'm yeah. I actually do love I was going to say that's that's awesome. What? That's a great movie, <laughs> no, I though. Love, I do love that movie, but that's oh, not that my movie favorite. was bad. Um, oh. I feel like I'm maybe stepping on toes well not toes but yeah I I think maybe I'm borrowing from siblings and trying to spit something out but honestly Treasure Planet has to be one of my favorite Disney Mm. animated movies I agree with you nothing comes close to its style like yeah alright guys definitely a tough decision Mm. you know all these movies on here are great just to throw it out there Rescuers Down Under is number 47 is uh, it really on the list but (laughs) wait um, is Mouse Detective on that list the Mouse Detective is on that list. You're not going to like where it is. Oh, really? You're not. No, The Mouse Detective, I believe, it might be lower than Atlantis. Uh, oh, I love Great Mouse Detective. I think I think the biggest mistake in here... Um, you can do Control-F and look it up. Dude, the only, I think the one thing about The Great Mouse Detective that I love more than, is Radigan is such a good villain, yeah, dude. Radigan is he's just... Wonderful. He's one of those characters designed to be hated, Radigan. and it works so well, dude. Radigan oh, yeah. is really a scumball. All right. Uh, Great Mouse Detective is 39. Uh, for anybody who's interested, the wow. worst movie on the list was The Jungle Book 2. Uh, but we are yeah, out of time. 
Uh, I just want to, just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is Okay, Hear Me Out podcast. I'm here with Matt McCabe, Joey Meyer. I'm Danny Plunkett. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll uh, you'll hear from us soon. Yeah, happy holidays, guys.